Chapter thirty three of Callista by John Henry Newman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A good confession. The cry came from the keeper's wife, whom we have described as kindly disposed to her. She was a Libo Phoenician and spoke a broken Latin, but the language of sympathy is universal in spite of Babel. Callista, she exclaimed, girl, they've sent for you. You ought to die. Oh, frightful! worse than a runaway slave the torture give in what's the arm you're so young those terrible men with the pincers and white bars callista sat up and passed from her vision to her prison she smiled and said i am ready i am going home the woman looked almost frightened and with some shade of disgust and disappointment she as others might have thought it impossible as it was unaccountable that when it came to the point callista would hold out she's christ she said i am ready mother callista said and she got up you have been very good to me she continued i have been saying many prayers for you while my prayers were of no good for then he was not mine but now i have espoused him and am going to be married to-day and he will hear me the woman stared at her stupidly as much as to make it evident that if afterwards a change took place in her as in callista that change too though in so different a soul must come of something beyond nature she had something in her hand and said it's useless to give a mad woman like her the packet which my man has brought me callista took the packet which was directed to her and broke the seal it was from her brother the little roll of worn parchment opened a dagger fell out some lines were written on the parchment they were dated carthage and ran as follows aristo to his dearest callista i write through cornelius you have not had it in your power to kill me but you have taken away half my life for me i will cherish the other half for i love life better than death but you love annihilation yet if so die not like a slave die nobly mindful of your country i send you the means callista was beyond reflecting on anything around her except as in a sort of dream as common men think and speak of heaven so she now thought and spoke of earth i wish him to kill me not myself she said i am his victim my brother i have no brother except one who is calling me she was carried to court and the examination followed we have already given a specimen of such a process and here it will be sufficient to make use of two documents different in kind as far as they go which have come down to us the first is an alto relief which once was coloured not first-rate in art or execution and of the date of the emperor constantius about a century later it was lately discovered in the course of excavations made at el kaf the modern sicca on the ruins of a church or roman basilica for the building in question seems to have served each purpose successively in this sculpture the praetorium is represented and the tribunal of the president in it the tribunal is a high throne with wings curving round on each side making the whole construction extend to almost a semicircle, and it is ascended by steps between the wings 
the kurul chair is at the top of the steps and in the middle and above it are purple curtains reaching down to the platform drawn back on each side and when drawn close together running behind the chair and constituting what was called the secretarium on one side of the tribunal is a table covered with carpeting and looking something like a modern ottoman only higher and not level at top and it has upon it the book of mandates the sign of jurisdiction the sword too is represented in the sculpture to show a criminal case is proceeding the procurator is seated on the chair he is in purple and has a gold chain of triple thread we can also distinguish his lawyers whether assessors or consiliarii also his lictors and soldiers there too are the notaries in a line before him they are writing down the judge's questions and the prisoner's answers and one of them is turning round to her as if to make her speak more loudly she herself is mounted upon a sort of platform called catasta like that on which slaves were put up for sale two soldiers are by her who appear to have been dragging her forwards the executioners are also delineated naked to the waist with instruments of torture in their hands the second document is a fragment of the acta proconsularia of her passion if indeed it could be trusted to the letter as containing callista's answers word for word it would have a distinctly sacred character in consequence of our lord's words it shall be given you in that hour what to speak however we attach no such special value to this document since it comes to us through heathen notaries who may not have been accurate reporters not to say that before we did so we ought to look very carefully into its genuineness as it is we believe it to be as true as any part of our narrative and not truer it runs as follows Cadius messius decius augustus the second and gratus consuls on the seventh before the calends of august in sicca venaria a colony in the secretary at the tribunal martianus procurator sitting callista a maker of images was brought up by the commentariensis on a charge of christianity and when she was placed martianus the procurator said this folly has been too long you have made images and now you will not worship them callista answered for i have found my true love whom before i knew not martianus the procurator said your true love is i ween your last love for all were true in their time callista said i worship my true love who is the only true and he is the son of god and i know none but him martianus the procurator said you will not worship the gods but you are willing to love their sons callista said he is the true son of the true god and i am his and he is mine martianus the procurator said let alone your loves and swear by the genius of the emperor callista said i have but one lord the king of kings the ruler of all martianus the procurator turned to the lictor and said this folly is madness take her hand put incense in it and hold it over the flame callista said you may compel me by your great strength but my own true lord and love is stronger 
Martianus the procurator said, You are bewitched, but we must undo the spell. Take her to the lignum, the prison for criminals. Callista said, He has been there before me, and he will come to me there. Martianus the procurator said, The jailer will see to that. Let her be brought up to-morrow. On the day following, Martianus, the procurator, sitting at the tribunal, called up Callista. He said, Honour our Lord, and sacrifice to the gods. Callista said, Let me alone. I am content with my one and only Lord. Martianus, the procurator, said, What, did he come to you in prison, as you hoped? Callista said, He came to me amid much pain and the pain was pleasant for he came in it martianus the procurator said you have got worn and yellow and he will leave you callista said he loves me the more for i am beautiful when i am black martianus the procurator said throw her into the tullianum perhaps she will find her god there also then the procurator entered into the secretary and drew the veil and dictated the sentence for the tabella then he came out and the praeco read it callista a senseless and reprobate woman is hereby sentenced to be thrown into the tullianum then to be stretched on the aquilius then to be placed on a slow fire lastly to be beheaded and left to the dogs and birds callista said thanks to my lord and king here the acta end and though they seem to want their conclusion yet they supply nearly everything which is necessary for our purpose the one subject on which a comment is needed is the state prison which though so little is said of it in the above report is in fact the real medium as we may call it for appreciating its information a few words will suffice for our purpose the state prison then was arranged on pretty much one and the same plan through the roman empire nay we may say throughout the ancient world it was commonly attached to the government buildings and consisted of two parts the first was the vestibule or outward prison which was a hall approached from the praetorium and surrounded by cells opening into it the prisoners who were confined in these cells had the benefit of the air and light which the hall admitted such was the place of confinement allotted to st paul at caesarea which is said to be the praetorium of herod and hence perhaps it is that in the touching passion of st perpetua and st felicitas st perpetua tells us that when permitted to have her child though she was in the inner portion which will next be described suddenly the prison seemed to her like the praetorium from this vestibule there was a passage into the interior prison called robur or lignum from the beams of wood which were the instruments of confinement or from the character of its floor it had no window or outlet except this door which when closed absolutely shut out light and air air indeed and coolness might be obtained for it by the barathrum presently to be spoken of but of what nature we shall then see the apartment called lignum was the place into which st paul and st silas were cast at philippi before it was known that they were romans after scourging them severely the magistrates who nevertheless were but the local authorities and had no proper jurisdiction in criminal cases put them in prison 
bidding the jailer to keep them carefully who on receiving such a command put them in the inner prison and fastened them in the lignum and in the acts of the skilletane martyrs we read of the proconsul giving sentence let them be thrown into prison let them be put into the lignum till to-morrow the utter darkness the heat and the stench of this miserable place in which the inmates were confined day and night is often dwelt upon by the martyrs and their biographers after a few days says saint perpetua we were taken to the prison and i was frightened for i never had known such darkness oh bitter day the heat was excessive by reason of the crowd there in the acts of saint pionius and others of smyrna we read that the jailers shut them up in the inner part of the prison so that bereaved of all comfort and light they were forced to sustain extreme torment from the darkness and stench of the prison and in like manner other martyrs of africa about the time of st cyprian's martyrdom that is eight or ten years later than the date of this story say we were not frightened at the foul darkness of that place for soon that murky prison was radiant with the brightness of the spirit what days what nights we passed there no words can describe the torments of that prison no statement can equal yet there was a place of confinement even worse than this in the floor of this inner prison was a sort of trap-door or hole opening into the barathrum or pit and called from the original prison at rome the tullianum sometimes prisoners were confined here sometimes dispatched by being cast headlong into it through the opening it was into this pit at rome that st chrysanthus was cast and there and probably in other cities it was nothing short of the public cesspool it may be noticed that the prophet jeremiah seems to have had personal acquaintance with the vestibule robur and barathrum we read in one place of his being shut up in the atrium that is the vestibule of the prison which was in the house of the king at another time he is in the ergastulum which would seem to be the inner prison lastly his enemies led him down by ropes into the lacus or pit in which there was no water but mud as to callista then after the first day's examination she was thrown for nearly twenty-four hours into the stifling robur or inner prison after the sentence on the second day she was let down as the commencement of her punishment that is of her martyrdom into the loathsome barathrum lacus or pit called tullianum there to lie for another twenty hours before she was brought out to the aculeus or rack end of chapter thirty three